Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Thursday, January 12th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. It's a bye week for the Chiefs, and that's great news. It means they're the top seed in the AFC playoffs, and we'll watch the other teams play this weekend. The Chiefs get the lowest remaining seed in its divisional round game the following weekend. Well, who should the Chiefs want to play? That's the primary topic on today's Sports Beat KC podcast with beat writers Herbie Teope and Jesse Newell and columnist Vahe Gregorian. We also talk about the running back position, and in light of 10 years of Andy Reid in Kansas City, we discuss his best players. The show started as a Sports Beat Live broadcast. Okay, let's get started. Hey, good morning from Chile, Kansas City. Welcome to Sports Beat Live, our weekly conversation about the Kansas City Chiefs with the folks in the media who know them best and with you. Uh, good morning to Darla and Bethany for joining us. And good morning to Jesse Newell, Herbie Teope, and Vahe Gregorian for, for being here. It's a great crew to discuss uh, Chiefs with you. And um, send us your questions and comments, and we'll talk And we'll talk Chiefs with anybody who wants to talk Chiefs. Herbie, there's a little bit of news to start the day. Uh, an award that was handed out, an AFC monthly honor that did not go to Patrick Mahomes, but to one of his teammates. Who was the AFC Offensive Player of the Month? Hey, Jarek McKinnon. You know, when you score nine touchdowns over a six-week span, you deserve an award. So, yeah, Jarek McKinnon is the AFC Offensive Player of the Month for December uh, he is the third Chiefs player to win that award. Patrick Mahomes won it in November, and uh, Tommy Townsend, punter Tommy Townsend, won it for the month of September. But McKinnon's, the way he finished the season, my goodness, eight receiving touchdowns, one rushing, two multiple touchdown games against the Broncos, as well as in weeks, well, both of them against the Broncos when you think about it, two touchdowns receiving. But, yeah, he deserved that award. First running back in the Super Bowl era since 1970 to score in five straight games with a, with a receiving touchdown. So kudos to him. Yeah, look, he has been, he's been a tremendous player. His production reminds me a little bit of Damian Williams. How remember how he used to heat up toward the end of the regular season and in the playoffs Um, McKinnon may be a, just a better overall player, you know, and, and I expect him to be, you know, maybe not the feature back, but certainly share feature back duties with Isaiah Pacheco in in the postseason. And it also gets me wondering, what is the future of Clyde Edwards-Alaire on this team? And Jesse, why don't you take a stab at that? Um, first round pick is kind of becoming uh, fading into the background a bit. And when it went, at least when, when it comes to thinking about how the Chiefs are going to operate at that position going forward. Yeah, I'm kind of pushed to the back. Obviously, Isaiah Pacheco has been there running, running back recently. And Jerick McKinnon has become the AFC Player of the Month thanks to not only his contributions, but obviously Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, you know, making him and propping him up and amplifying the strengths that he does have, which he's really good in pass protection. He's really good running routes and uh, has been able to free himself thanks to guys like Travis Kelsey setting screens for him. And then, uh, you know, obviously be in the right place at the right time when Patrick Mahomes turns his back and throws one of these to you in Denver too. So uh, he's been in the right spot at the right time a, a few different uh, instances this year. So, I mean, it's probably just a question for the offseason, guys. Uh, at this point, it 
I, I hate to say it doesn't matter, but it's sort of a secondary thing for the Chiefs. You know, like if Clyde is with the team next year, that's fine. And they can utilize him in the passing game. And uh, if he's fully healthy, they can play to his strengths as much as possible. But maybe he's a, a back that is in a rotation. And if he's not, then they're probably fine with that too, honestly. And they've got a lot of draft picks to go out there and potentially get another running back as well. So uh, I don't, I don't mean to diminish what Clyde has done or potentially what he could do with the chiefs. It's just, you know, obviously they're at a point right now, 14 and three looking forward to the playoffs. Doesn't seem like he's going to be a part of this unless uh, we hear differently from Andy Reid here coming up, but uh, it's just probably just not a matter of huge concern right now, just because that running back position seems to be, in good hands right now and in the future it probably will be in good hands whether they draft somebody or they keep around these pieces that have been successful this year just to add to that because because he's on injured reserve you know they're going to have to make that decision if they have a view to have him back in time for the super bowl they're going to have to activate him or designate him as return to practice next week because you've got three weeks before the super bowl if he's not designated to return with that 21-day window, then, you know, that kind of seals his fate for the rest of the season. Got to remember, the Chiefs are going to enter the offseason with the option, the fifth-year option, which is going to have to happen at some point this offseason if they want to use that on him. If not, he'll play next year in the last year of his rookie contract. And in that backfield, you have two running backs playing on a one-year contract, Ronald Jones and Jarek McKinnon. So there are some decisions to be made in that backfield during the offseason. Well, the fifth-year option's off right now. I mean, I don't think that's even a consideration. Um, right now, to me, it's the, just bringing him back on his rookie deal, uh, that last year of it. And I would think the Chiefs would probably do that. He's familiar with the system. They know him. He knows them. But uh, this probably would be the last go-round for Clyde. And even if that doesn't work out, I wouldn't be surprised. But, again, for a team that's 14-3, and three, about ready to have the bye in the playoffs and potentially win another Super Bowl, it's it's just – it's not a big matter at this moment. It's, it's, it'll be something for the offseason, and even then it might not be something that hinges um, the offseason because uh, the Chiefs can be so successful in so many other ways. Yeah, you know, I just make a little case that in a, in a kind of odd way, nothing against Clyde, um, who I had a lot of belief in, but his injury kind of allowed them to develop these other dimensions in a way that they maybe wouldn't have if they kept kind of, I hate to say forcing Clyde, but... Um, Clyde, if Clyde was entrenched, it was sort of by default and and with hopes instead of by really seizing it. And you got to like the the versatility and uh, sheer sheer force that they can come with with both these guys as as the most active backs. And don't forget, I mean, maybe we'll see more of it, maybe not too much more. But um, when you get little little twists like Kadarius Tony lining up in the backfield now and things like that, there's there's plenty going on there that it doesn't necessarily seem to require Clyde to be part of it. Good points all. And uh, as Jesse said a couple of times, absolutely right. Uh, that is a, the, this is a story for beyond the playoffs. Uh, there is plenty to discuss going into uh, next week for the chiefs, but let's, let's start about this week. Start talking about this weekend, the, um, the, the, the seeds two through seven play each other. And in the NFC, that is Chargers Jaguars. That's the four five game bill, uh, uh, Bengals Ravens. That's three, six and bills dolphins is the two seven game. The chiefs will meet, uh, the following weekend 
the lowest remaining seed or the worst remaining seed from uh, from the games this weekend. And question we've been asking ourselves all week, and I know we're, we're working on stories about this, is what is the uh, what do we think is the most favorable matchup for the Chiefs? Maybe. Maybe that's not the the right way of putting it. I would think any matchup that doesn't involve a starting quarter, regular starting quarterback, would be the most favorable. You know, the, the Dolphins and the Ravens appear to be in that position, right? Well, we know the Dolphins for sure. Named Skylar Thompson as the starter this weekend, and 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 Baltimore certainly. I don't know what's going on with Lamar Jackson, um, but uh, but he hasn't played since early December, so. What uh, the, the 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 Jaguars Chargers game, of course, with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert, two terrific young quarterbacks going at each other. What um, w- w- let's assume let, let's let's just assume for the sake of argument that the Bills and the Bengals win. Uh, so it comes down to Jaguars and Chargers. Jesse, what what uh, what, what things should we consider here, and, um, and and who might match up better? Uh, who might the Chiefs match up better against between those two? Yeah, so I think I just would start with the Vegas line, which kind of is a pretty good indication of how teams are playing right now. And the Chargers are two and a half point favorite on the road against Jacksonville. So to me, that says that they the home field's about a point and a half. The Vegas market, the really sharp people out there would tell you that at this moment, the Chargers are about four points better than uh, what the Jacksonville Jaguars would be on a neutral field. So I think because of that, if you're a Chiefs fan, you would cheer for the Jaguars. I think most Chiefs fans would do that anyway, based off of how both of those teams played the Chiefs in the regular season, just because we've talked about this before. It sure seems like the Chargers just bring their A or A-plus game against the Chiefs every single time they play them, and the Chiefs need their A A game to just win by three or seven. You know, we remember – Probably the biggest play of the season, Jalen Watson's pick six won the game at Arrowhead, and then the Chiefs had to rally back in the fourth quarter to beat the Chargers on a game-winning drive from Patrick Mahomes in that game in L.A. So um, all those things go into it. But, I, you know, I would say, obviously, based just off the Vegas, the Chiefs would be a bigger favorite at home against Jacksonville than they would be against the Chargers. One thing I will caveat, you know, I hear so much about the hard-to-beat-a-team-three-times-in-one-year. The studies, as you might expect, actually – indicate the opposite it's about the same as anybody else it's really not as or it's about the same you know if you beat a team twice in a year it's probably because you're the better team if you play them at home in the playoffs i think the record is 12 and 5 in those games of those teams that play at home so not really anything more to be worried about there other than the chargers getting healthy at this time of year and potentially just flat out being better than the jaguars the question mark with the jaguars is you know doug peterson and he's been a coach that's won a super bowl you fear him a little bit and uh obviously trevor lawrence has played better as the season's gone on but I would think most Chiefs fans would take that Jacksonville matchup out of those two teams just based off of what they've seen this season and and how they saw the Chiefs perform against those two teams in the two matchups, or I guess the three matchups that they did have. I'm with Jesse there, and I I just add to this that, you know, the last four games between the Chiefs and Chargers have been decided by a total of 18 points. And at some point, you start thinking the Wheel of Fortune is going to go, you know, some other way. And Wouldn't that be a twist uh, after the Chiefs um, dominate the AFC West, sweep the AFC West, and then have this little asterisk on their resume? And and it's why they play the games. But the Chiefs will fear no one, I don't think. But I I would think that that, that's the most uncomfortable prospect of uh, of the two. Herbie, we always come to you for injury updates. Uh, We don't usually do it for another team, but the Chargers – didn't come out of their 
you know, week 18 game unscathed, right? Because of uh, um, uh, starters played, even though the, the Chargers had their seed locked up, uh, uh, Brandon Staley left his starters in well into the second half. And uh, what's the latest you're hearing on, on guys like Mike Williams and, uh, and Bosa? Yeah, you got to figure with, with Mike Williams, the back injury, that, that's a concern. Joey Bosa was hurt in that game as well. Uh, you know, when, when you think of the Chargers, they're always snake bit. There's always some kind of injury that affects them. And, and the Chiefs, over these last couple seasons, have never faced a fully healthy Chargers team. <laughs> and so, you know, you figured they were going to go into the postseason healthy, and they're not now. So, you know, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, that, that formidable duo, that might not be intact. Uh, Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, that might not be intact. So we'll see what happens with them. But, yeah, Brandon Staley has some explaining to do why he kept them in the game uh, last week. And you just throw your hands up in the air. <laughs> well, his his coaching has been questioned before um, with some usually game – day decisions right play calling fourth down r- risks that that sort of thing but uh look maybe uh we'll see if it has an impact on the chargers at, at jacksonville by the way daniel andrew others uh, are in agreement jacksonville would be the opponent the preferred opponent of the chiefs this weekend um i i think i think the bills and the bengals are in a walkover situation i think they both win big on uh, on this, let's see, uh, Dolphins, Bills, noon Sunday, uh, Ravens are uh, Bengals Sunday at 7.15 p.m. So, uh, by the way, and I just scribbled this down, if um, let, let's just say it plays out the way we think it will with uh, the, 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 the home teams winning, and we'll, we'll throw Jacksonville in there, but it, I don't think it'll matter if it's Jacksonville or L.A. I think the Chiefs will end up playing – the early game, either next Saturday or next Sunday, and not the evening game. And I say that because uh, there's a Monday night playoff game, right, between the Cowboys and the Bucks. I think they almost have to put that the, the winner of that game in a Sunday night position because it will either be Tom Brady or, or the Cowboys. So that will be the last game played the following weekend. And I think if it's Bills-Bengals, that's a primetime type of game that, uh, that would be on Saturday night. So that leaves the – the, the first window on Saturday, Sunday uh, for the Chiefs' first playoff game. Just a guess on on my part. Um, okay. A uh, couple other things I, w- I want to get to here, um, but let's let's um, uh, let's let's answer a couple questions first. Paul wants to know how uh, Kadarius Tony will be used in the playoffs. More playing time for him, Jesse. Wasn't he the subject of your? Um, your, your film breakdown this week? Yeah, he was. Uh, he actually ran a play, a 14-yard gain that was a Tyree Kill play from 2016 that Andy Reid ran when he was in the backfield. So I think that's sort of the answer there. He's kind of the Chiefs' very cheap, very inexperienced answer to like gadget play Tyree Kill sort of guy. And we talked about this on the, the post-game show last week as well, but he only had 16 snaps. But yet he's a guy that got three carries and two catches. So it feels like when he's on the field, the Chiefs are going to utilize him. Uh, Sam McDowell shared with me a stat. I think he gets utilized on around 30% of his plays that he's in. It was in the top 10 mark in the NFL in terms of getting usage. So 
Uh, it feels like he is sort of, um, for lack of a better term, he's a gadget player for the Chiefs. You know, he came in late. He probably doesn't have the full grasp of the entire offense, but week by week by week, they just give him a little bit more where he lines up in certain personnel with certain positions and certain motions, and they're able to use his skill set in the way that they were uh, against the Raiders last week. So uh, it also depends how healthy they get. You know, I think the Chiefs would be a feel more comfortable if McCole Hardman is healthy to put him out there on a down by down basis. He's been with the team a long time. He's been productive in that way, but I, I definitely think part of what makes them dangerous is they can throw Kadarius Tony out there in certain packages, certain looks, and he's able to use that horizontal skill set, that ability to make guys miss in very short spaces uh, to the chief's benefit. So I think he'll continue to be used in the way. And uh, I guess to wrap all this up, I actually asked Kadarius Tony in the locker room in Vegas. I said, what can chiefs fans expect from you in the playoffs? And he said, kind of laughed, and he said, uh, basically something like today. So that's probably your easiest answer. You know, I just throw this in real quick, Blair. I, I'd venture to say that even now with, you know, getting 18 snaps, who is the more uh, exhilarating player to watch after Mahomes and Kelsey besides besides him? I mean, he's he's really got something. I mean, I and I, I think I still can't figure out how the Chiefs got him for what they did. No, yeah, their is. use of him is their, their use of Tony is, is pretty fascinating. He's only topped 20 snaps in the game in the Chiefs uniform just once, going back way to week 10. But ever since, it's like it's in the high teens. But they're getting the most out of him. If there's a player who's getting the most out of his offensive snaps, it's definitely Kadarius Tony. And of course, we know they love him as their primary punt returner. You know, in, in the past, we're always holding our breath when someone gets their, you know, when the punt is in the air. With him, you don't have that issue. You just hold your breath seeing what kind of electrifying move he's going to make with that first step. Jesse, when you asked Tony in the locker room what to expect from him in the playoffs, it would have been kind of funny if he had just gone into his Mr. T and said, pain. Did not happen, uh, however. By the way, did you guys know he's, he goes by uh, Joka? That he's got the, the – apparently the it's – he does some rap stuff, and I, I just looked this up because Travis Kelsey on his podcast earlier this week referred to him as Joka. Um, I thought maybe it was, you know, some play off of Batman. But anyway, uh, more to, more for us to explore in the uh, coming weeks. Well, you're who I go to for rap references, Vahe, um, and, and you, me. <laughs> as well you should. And, and, of course, you know I do turn to you for that, Blair. <laughs> That's right. I thought his specialty was IT stuff. That's crazy. Well, it must be rap. Okay. Look, I got a lot going on here at, at the Nerve Center, okay? By the way, just a quick aside that you should know, we're I think we're getting our house jacked, so if I go flying up out of my seat, you'll know what happened. <laughs> okay, good to know. Well, we may stay on a little extra uh, in anticipation of that possibility. Uh, so, uh, very good, very good. Hey, uh, all right, so I got a question for uh, not only you all, but for uh, those listening to us and watching us, uh, because it's a week off for the Chiefs, and so we're looking for stories to write that are, uh, you know, playoff-centric and uh, and just maybe general, too. And one thing that uh, we're working on is it's uh, 10 years of Andy Reid in Kansas City. He's got one to three games left to complete his 10th year here. But even with that time remaining, I, I, I didn't think it was uh, 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 too far-fetched to, uh, to come up with an all-Andy Reid team 
for the Chiefs. So the best players to to play for Andy Reid in the 10 years he's been in Kansas City. I won't ask you guys about that, but one thing I I, I, I am kind of curious about is if, if, if you, I'm doing the team, in fact, I even picked some, some honorable mentions at, at each position, but how about just a, a kind of a, off the top of your head, a quick top five of the, the best players uh, to play for the Chiefs in the last decade. So starting in 2013, now listen, um, you can have, you know, a player who had a great career that was toward the end of his career in 2013 and 2014. I guess I'm just looking at, you know, playing for the Chiefs over the last 10 years, who would be the the, the top five Andy Reid players? So um, uh, don't have to list them all at once, but just let's, let's start with some names. Patrick Mahomes, of course, would be Number one, and, and Michael Michael has already weighed in. His five: Mahomes, Kelsey, Jamal Charles, Derek Johnson, Eric Berry. That is a great list. That is terrific. Um, look at look at Herbie. Michael apparently uh, comparing notes with Herbie. Vahe, what do you got up there? You can't read my writing, but it's exactly what Michael wrote. Uh, so, wow. With um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mahomes, Kelsey. Oh, and Chris Chris Jones is a, a one of the one of the six to fit into the five. There you go. It's a I, shame, I, I, like when I think of that list right there, because I actually wrote the same list down. And it's a crying shame Andy Reid didn't get Jamal Charles in his prime, or even DJ in his prime, because he got him towards the tail end of their career. And, and I loved how Andy Reid was able to work in Jamal Charles' skill set you know, as a receiver. Who's ever going to forget that five touchdown game against uh, the Raiders? I mean, that that was just phenomenal, and, and so that that is a phenomenal, fantastic list there, Michael. Because that's exactly what I wrote down. <laughs> that that yeah, that Herbie, that game, that was unbelievable. I mean, that was, and I, was that thirteen or fourteen? It was pretty early. It was it was thirteen. It was yeah, um, yeah it was in thirteen, and, and four, four of those touchdowns. Go four, ahead, four of them screens. Yep. yep. I mean, it, <laughs> And there were different kinds of screens, right? They were all, you know, schemed up a little differently. Um, I kind of remember him, him getting a, a little bit of a beer shower in one of the Oakland end zones, too. Yep. <laughs> Andrew has. And a, I agree with Andrew. Tyron, Tyron deserves a place in this discussion. Absolutely. It, but it's kind of hard. Like for me, I thought about Tyron and Eric Berry. When I when I think of who meant the most to like fans, and and you're know, like his impact here. And then we think of Eric Berry's return from cancer. We were all at that game when he came through the tunnel and it was just so electric. Tyron Matthew obviously helped them win a Super Bowl, but I think like who meant the most to this community, I would say it's Eric Berry. I, I agree with that point, Herbie, but I would just say that I think Tyron Matthew, um, I don't want to say they wouldn't have won a Super Bowl without him, but I do want to say he was pretty instrumental in the entire reset of that defense. And you could see how it might've played out differently without him. Um, just, just a thought. Dan, Dan has Alex Smith. And of course, Alex Smith wouldn't be the quarterback on this team, but you could certainly make a case. One of the top 10 most important players and best players in the Andy Reed era, three-time pro bowler, you know, Mahomes has been a pro bowler every year. But Alex Smith, in his five years as a starter, made the Pro Bowl three times and led the NFL in passing, passer rating in his final year. So 
Um, hey, and Paul, you make a terrific point, and he is on my top ten. Mitchell Schwartz was so good and uh, for so long with the Chiefs that I couldn't find another right tackle that who would be a, a you know second best um, for almost every other position that I have. I've, I've I have a second, third, even a fourth best, but for 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 right tackle. I, I couldn't find anybody. Um, that, that's how that's how good Mitchell Schwartz was for such a long time. Um, Jesse, we haven't heard from you, so you have to weigh in. That's because you guys got all the right answers. Um, yeah, I was trying to real quickly just scroll through like Pro Football references, top players, and see if there's any Chiefs that we missed out on. And the one you guys even mentioned that kind of showed up through multiple teams was Alex Smith. So perhaps a little bit underrated with what he did just because we know that Mahomes has taken this to another level and Alex would be the first one to tell you that too. But I did think Mitchell Swartz. Uh, so I'm glad you brought that one up, Blair. Uh, and uh, obviously just, uh, I think the five, the first five seemed to me to be th those five and then the rest, uh, you know, we can have some honorable mentions and we talked about the Chris Jones fitting the sixth one in there. Uh, Tyron Matthew, you know, having, Changing the attitude of the defense, I think, is a good way to put it because the Chiefs did not have much swag level coming in before that, and it sure seemed like Tyron added to that sort of thing, helped them win a Super Bowl. So I think we're all on the right track here. I'm not seeing anybody. I was kind of flipping through guys that were still around in 2013, and any guys that were that potentially would be on this list were no longer with the Chiefs at that time. Uh, so I think we got it covered. I think uh, this list is good, and I think uh, – you know, good for us, which is exactly what we want. Michael hit it right off the bat, so we didn't have to use our our brains <laughs> to even think of anything else. And I never do, so that uh, that was especially <laughs> helpful to me. Um, one player that has not been mentioned is the chief single season sack leader, who had several good years in a Chiefs uniform before uh, he oh. departed. Uh, Justin Houston. So. Uh, but that was the changing of the guard defensively, right? That was, uh, you know, Bob Sutton left. That was the final year for Eric Berry, for Justin Houston, uh, for D Ford, um, others, and in comes uh, Tyron Matthew and, and other players on on the defensive side. So, Andrew Andrew has Daniel Sorensen uh, named here. I would suggest Andrew that uh, when we list when when you see or read the all Andy Reid team that I picked. Do not be surprised to see Daniel Swanson's name on there in some fashion, in some fashion. Especially well, if, you're going, if you're going by – go ahead, Vi. No, I'll just throw this out there. Do they win the Texans' playoff game without Daniel Sorensen's two plays? I don't they think do they not. do. And then they don't win a Super Bowl. Yeah, especially if you go by position, you know, because he Sorensen, even though he was a backup safety, he was able to give them whenever Barry or – Marcus Cooper or anybody else back in those days were hurt, you were able to slide in Sorensen. So he was valuable as a backup and especially, as Vahe mentioned, on special teams. You know, we just have to forget the fact that his final year here, Tyron Matthew throwing his hands up in the air every time he was beat. But that was towards the tail end of his prime. So I'll, I'll give him some slack there. Okay, great conversation, guys, and good way for me to tease the story. Uh, a lot of good stories coming up uh, in the next week. For uh, from uh, from the star from these guys uh, and on KansasCity.com, please please stay tuned. In fact, in fact, um, Vahe, what do you got coming up, Chiefs wise? Well, it's funny. Uh, thanks for taking me to that, Blair. First, I think that uh, 
uh, our friends from Big Charlie Saloon in Philadelphia uh, are regular watchers of this either at, on game day or today. And I spoke with them yesterday for a piece I'm doing on uh, the fantasy prospect of the, the two number one seeds meeting in the Super Bowl. Um, so, uh, yo, Pauly, uh, just shout out to you guys at Big Charlie's. And uh, um, I'm looking forward to uh, trying to put that together with some of the people I talked to uh, finish that off today. Jesse, what's what you got coming? Yeah, we'll tease this, but um, everybody's looking for an edge in the NFL. People pay millions of dollars for an edge. And the Chiefs have been three times as productive as any other team in one particular uh, way that they use their offense. And so uh, investigating that, looking into that on Monday, a lot of it involves Travis Kelsey, but uh, the biggest part is Andy Reid and what he does with his play design. So uh, the Chiefs, I was looking up the war. They have a football war out there. The war on this particular play was almost two. So it's almost like the Chiefs are gaining a two-win advantage by doing this thing that almost nobody in the NFL else is doing. So that's part of the reason you win football games when you have Andy Reid as your coach. So you can investigate that. That should be up Monday on the Kansas City Star website. But the secret edge of the Chiefs have found out that the NFL still needs to catch up on. Hey, Herbie, bring it home. What you got coming? Hey, we're in award season, so essentially I'm just on standby. Whenever the, whenever these publications announce all their all-pro teams, et cetera, player of the month, player of the week, that's essentially it. And then next week, obviously, we are back on the ground running as the Chiefs prepare for the AFC Divisional Round. Yeah, Herbie's, Herbie's all over it every day, every hour of every day, actually, uh, bringing the news. So, uh, uh, and let me echo a thought from Vahe. Uh, yes, we've got some, uh, some some viewers in Philly. We also have them in Nashville and L.A., as uh, as I was reminded this week. It's always great to hear from from those folks and um, uh, and and, uh, and from from you. So that'll do it for today. And I think uh, a little programming note. I think we're going to be with you a couple of times next week in anticipation of. Uh, Chiefs playoff game, uh, maybe as early as Monday, but we need to huddle with our production team and these fellows here to make sure that can happen. Definitely Thursday next week as we preview uh, the Chiefs versus the fill-in-the-blank game. That'll be played on fill-in-the-blank day. So That'll do it for today on Sportsbeat KC. Thanks to George Howard for producing the podcast and the broadcast. And to our Sportsbeat KC staff of Monty Davis, Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Vahe Gregorian, Jesse Newell, and Herbie Teope for sharing their insights. Morning Sports Edition was 43 pages full of NFL, NBA, NHL, baseball, college basketball news, and more. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day. Oh, 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 oh